Ashley Brock, reading Dolores Lawson's book, Nate, Chapter 7. Run! That word kept racing through Darcy's head as she, Nate, and Marlene rushed out of the house with the babies cradled in their arms. Mason was behind them, dragging the boss along, but Darcy concentrated only on her own steps. Running in high heels put her at a huge disadvantage, but she couldn't fail, couldn't stop. Even though her lungs were already burning, she had to get her baby away from the possible explosion. This way, someone shouted. It was Dade. He was mounting for them to follow, motioning for them to follow him onto the road. Beside him, on the ground was one of the gunmen, and he was either unconscious or dead because he wasn't moving. There was no sign of Grayson or Cad. He dropped behind her and used his free hand to latch onto her arm. Good thing, too, because she stumbled, and if he hadn't been for Nate, she would have fallen. I'm taking genius here this way, Mason let them know. He started in another direction through the woods where Darcy had last seen Mel. Maybe because Mason didn't want the boss anywhere near the children. Darcy was thankful for that, but she also hoped the gunmen wouldn't attack again and help their boss escape. The sound that came from behind them was deafening, a thick blast. Darcy just held her son closer and didn't look back, but it was clear that something had blown up. She prayed Nate's brother, Mel, and the FBI agent hadn't been hurt or killed. Both Noah and Kimmy were crying now and their sobs tore at her heart the way nothing else could. Mercy, what they've been put through, and for what? To rig the investigation so that her client would be arrested and convicted of his wife's murder? Once they were safely away from this place, Darcy wanted answers about who had orchestrated everything. No one was going to get away with endangering these children. They'd led them back toward the start of the path where they'd left the vehicles. It seemed to take forever, and each step was a challenge. Getting the SUV, Nate ordered, and he jerked open the door and shoved Darcy into the backseat, pushed Kimmy into her arms, and looked behind them. Where's Marlene? Nate asked Dade, who was breathing hard, looked behind him as well. He only shook his head and cursed. Marlene was nowhere in sight. God, no. Had she fallen? Darcy certainly hadn't heard her, but then she hadn't been able to hear much over the roaring in her ears. Go ahead, Dade answered. I'll get them away from here. I'll look for her. Nate didn't argue. He ripped the keys from his pocket, jumped into the driver's seat, and started the engine. Gave Dade one last glance before he hit the accelerator and sped away. Darcy had a crying baby in each arm, and she pulled them to her and tried to soothe them. She whispered, brushing kisses on each of the points. It's okay. Mommy and Daddy are here. Kimmy looked up at her, the tears spilling down her cheeks. She glanced at Nate, whose attention was fastened to the road. For a moment, Darcy thought the little girl might sob again, but Kimmy rubbed her eyes, smearing the tears on her little hands, and she settled her head against Darcy's shoulder. All right, that required a deep breath. Darcy hadn't expected to feel this, well, attachment to Nate's daughter, but Kimmy felt his right in her arms as Noah did. Strange, it had to be a reaction to the fear. Darcy didn't have time to think about it because there was another blast, so loud, so strong, that it shook the SUV. Hell, Nate muttered. Terrified of what she might see, she looked back and saw more of the nightmare that had started when she first learned someone had kidnapped her son. The house was a fireball, the barn too. So were the woods where she'd last seen Mason. Call me the minute you know anything, Nate said to Grayson. Nate pushed the in-call button on his cell and released the breath he'd been holding. Finally, he had some good news to go with not so good. Of course, the best news was in his arms. Kimmy was asleep, her head resting right against his heart. And they were safely back at the Ryland Ranch. Nate had already said prayers of things, but 
He intended to add a lot more. Having Kimmy safe was the most important thing in his life, but his brothers were close second. He looked across the foyer and saw Kimmy's nanny Grace Borden. The petite woman was gray and red hair was studying his mouth. Well, she asked in a whisper. My brothers are okay, he replied. Grayson had just let him know that. And they found Marlene hiding in some bushes. She's shaken up, but all right. Grace nodded and walked. Why don't you let me take Kimmy and put her in her crib for the night? Nate wanted to hold her. Heck, he didn't want to let go. But his baby would sleep much better in her own bed than in his arms. Besides, he had to check on Darcy and Noah. He didn't want to wake Kimmy doing that. Grace eased Kimmy from his arms. I'll take good care of her, she assured him. It wasn't necessary. Nate trusted her completely, but still tugged at him to see his daughter being whisked away. It might be a lifetime or two before he started to forget that she'd been stolen from him. Someone would pay for that. He felt the anger boil inside him, a lethal mix, but he pushed that powder keg of emotions deep inside him. Soon, he would get the men responsible for what had happened. Nate went to the bar in the living room, poured himself a shot of whiskey, took it in one gulp. Even though he preferred beer to the fireball of heat that slid down his throat, still, he needed something to settle his nerves. He made his way to the family room, where he'd left Darcy as soon as they'd gotten back from the lost apostle. He had to tell her that Betsy, the housekeeper, had fixed her room for no one her. Before he even got there, he heard the voices coming from the family room. Not Darcy's voice, but Caleb Brennan's, Dade's fiance, who had already moved into the ranch. Good. Maybe take talking with Caleb and managed to calm Darcy down because Nate didn't want to tackle that job. Yes, that was an obstacle, Kayla said. Nate's family hated me. Nate groaned silently and stopped. This didn't sound like a calming down kind of conversation. He peered around the corner and saw both women seated on the leather sofa. Darcy had a sleeping Noah in her lap. Kayla had her sleeping son in her arms. I was Charles Brennan's daughter-in-law, Kayla continued. The man who ordered Nate's wife to be killed. Dave and his brother's arms like out past that, Darcy pointed out. Yeah, but it didn't. It hadn't been easy. Just a short time ago, Caleb had been the enemy, much as Darcy was now. And that gave Nate a jolt, a nasty feeling in the pit of his stomach. That's true, Caleb shrugged. I fell in love with Dade and everything else fell into place. The Rylands and my son are my family now. Her gaze flew to the door where he was standing. Nate, she greeted as he stood up. You have news? They're all okay, Nate said as quick as he could. Dade doesn't have a scratch on him, and he'll be home soon. Kayla made a sound of relief and blinked back to her. Thank you. Darcy mumbled a thank you under her breath. She closed her eyes for a moment. Kayla glanced down at her son, then at Darcy before her gaze went back to Nate. It's time I put Robbie to bed. There was an inflection in her voice and implied, so you two can talk. Yeah, they needed to do that. Darcy probably wasn't going to like what he had to say. Nate waited until Caleb was out of the room before he started what was essentially a briefing. One with a big twist. Are your brothers really okay? She asked. They are. Cat has a few cuts and scratches because he was close to one of the blasts, but his injuries are minor. Took a deep breath and rested his hands on his hips, and they found Marlene. She said she got separated from us when we were running, and she hid in some bushes. That's good. Darcy stared at him, waiting. Come on, Nate motioned for her to stand. It might be better to finish this if he didn't have to see her face. <laughs> there was concern and fear right now. Bessie made up a bed for you. Noah, too. 
She stood not easily. Her legs were wobbly, but Nate didn't move to help her. He'd been doing too much that lately. Instead, he led her out of the family room, across the foyer, and into the hall that fed into the west wing of the house. Okay, what's wrong? Darcy asked. Well, the woman was perspective. <laughs> perceptive. Only one of the kidnappers survived, the boss, a.k.a. Willis Ramirez, and he's not talking. Plus, I'm not sure how long we can even hold him. What? It wasn't a whisper either, Noah jolted. When Darcy frantically started rocking him, she also stared at him. The man kidnapped our children. Yes, but Mexico has an extradition order for him. He worked for one of the drug lords and gunned down six people, including a high-ranking police officer. The color blanched from her face, and he got her moving again so he could put no she could put Noah down. She looked too shaky to be holding anything right now, especially baby. How much time do we have to interrogate him? Darcy wanted to know. Not much. A day or two at most. Grayson is with him now and we'll keep pressing until the federal marshals arrive and take custody. Darcy shook her head and mumbled. Grayson has to get a confession. We have to find out who hired him to kidnap the children. We will, Nate promised. He opened the door to the guest suite and took her through the sitting area and into the bedroom where Bessie had prepared the crib. Bessie had also left Darcy a loner gown, a rope, and some toiletries. Darcy laid the baby down, kissed one cheek and then the other. She lingered for several minutes, and Nate didn't rush her. He understood her reluctance to leave her baby. Finally, she stepped away, keeping her eyes on Noah until she was in the sitting area. She groaned softly and again leaned against the wall. I don't know how I made it through this day, she whispered. Nate was right. There were Nate was right there with her on that. He faced down armed criminals before, had even been wounded in the line of duty. But only Ellie's death came close to this. Tomorrow I have someone drop by your house and get some things. You told her if you need anything specific make a list. The weariness didn't fade from her eyes, but it did widen a bit. I'm not going home? No. Nate thought about how to say it and decided to just toss the truth out there. The danger isn't over. If Ramirez doesn't give up the person who hired him, then one way or another I'll have to find out who he is. That might take some time. She didn't argue, didn't look as if she had the strength to put up even a token of resistance. And in the meantime, knowing you will stay here. That was a logical solution. The ranch had a security system, plus there were at least a dozen ranch hands on the grounds at all at any given moment. It also didn't hurt the five lawmen lived there, and four of those lawmen might be a problem. Your brothers, she said, getting rid, getting right to the heart of the matter. There'll be tension, he admitted, but no one here will turn you out. The kidnappers went after our children. They might try again. She shivered and closed her eyes. Did she see the same nightmarish image that he did? The gunmen, the children huddled on the floor of the preschool, the explosion, the tour apart, the lost Posco only minutes after they reached Noah and Kimmy. Her eyelids fluttered open and she made his case. If Ramirez doesn't talk, I think we know where your investigation starts. Sandra Dent's son, Adam, or her ex-husband, Edward Frazier. 
Yeah, that ball was already rolling. Mason was all arranging for both men to be brought to Silver Creek for questioning. Too bad they couldn't find the dead woman's missing diary. Then maybe they would know who was behind this. Nate knew from accounts from Sandra's friends that the diary existed, but it hadn't turned up in any of the searches of her estate. Of course, her killer could have destroyed it and with it any possible evidence. I can't rule out then himself, Nate added. He could have orchestrated this to make himself look innocent. He braced himself for the lawyer to kick in, but she only nodded. About how much would it have cost to make this kidnapping hack together? Three vans, seven men, weapons, explosives. We're probably looking at a minimum of a hundred thousand. He hesitated. Unless Ramirez's drug lord connections are behind this, then the men could have been coerced into helping with the kidnapping. Heavy sigh left her mouth, and she plowed her hands through her hair to push away from her face. But then she winced when her fingers ranked over her stitches. Nate moved her hand so he could have a look, which required him to push aside a few strands. Her hair was as soft as silk. <laughs> Despite the ordeal in the woods, she didn't smell of sweat and blood, but rather the faint aroma of the fragrant cedars. Her own scent was there, too. Something warm and musky. Something that stirred feelings best left alone. Well, she probably... The stitches held, but there was an A. Green bruise around the edges. He made a mental note to call the doctor and ask him to come out to the ranch to examine Darcy. He also made a mental note not to let her sink it to him. How does it look? She asked, but she waved him off. Never mind. I know I look bad. That was the problem. She didn't. Even with the fatigue, the stitches, and the bruise, Darcy managed to look amazing, beautiful, and that was not a good thing for him to notice, nor was her body. It was pretty amazing, too. She was a good eight inches shorter than he was on the petite side, but she still had interesting curves. Curves that reminded him it's been too long since he held a woman or had one in his bed. His own body responded to that reminder. His blood started to race. His heart, too, and his jeans were no longer comfortable. Nate stepped back, or rather tried, but she caught his arm. I'm sorry. All the things he expected her to say, that wasn't one of them. He studied her eyes also beautiful. He shook his head, not understanding her apology. He was the one with the bad reaction here. I'm sorry for everything. Darcy clarified. Her voice was mostly breath now, especially for defending the man whose hired gun killed your wife. I'm sorry I managed to keep him out of jail so that he could go after Dade and Kayla. Oh, hell no. Nate didn't want to go there. He didn't want to talk about Ellie, so he shook off the grip internally. For what it's worth, Darcy continued. I've applied to be the assistant district attorney here in Silver Creek. That froze him in his tracks. They eased back around the stair at her. As the ADA, she'd have to work with Grayson, Dave, and Mason. Work closely with them on the same side of the law. I'm not a bad person. Her voice trembled again, so did her bottom lip. And her eyes began to I just got wrapped up in doing what I thought I needed to do. Oh, back at you. She added in a mumble. Something you might know a little about. Oh, yeah. His old baggage had baggage. When did yours start? She asked. He didn't have to think about that. He also didn't have to think about it to know this was a conversation he didn't want to have, but he answered her anyways. Twenty years ago, when I was fifteen, my grandfather was murdered, and it was never solved. Yes. Sheriff Chet McLaurin. Kayla asked me about him. They were sure he blamed Why would she ask you that? She called me a few weeks ago and wanted to know if I'd come across a photo of your grandfather and any of Charles Brennan's things. She faxed me a copy of the picture and said it was taken on the day the new sheriff's office opened. 
Now he understood. Caleb asked because Darcy was the executor for Brennan's will. The picture was definitely in question. Caleb had seen a copy, and now the family wanted to know why a man like Brennan had held on to a photo seemingly unrelated to him. Did you find the picture in Brennan's things? Nate asked. Darcy shook her head. I looked but didn't find anything. It might turn up, though, because I'm still going through his estate. She paused. Is it important? Could be. Maybe there's something in Brennan's files that will tell us who killed her grandfather. I see. And a moment later, she repeated it. When this is over, I'll look again. Another pause. His death is the reason he became a cop? Yeah. This was another wound Nate didn't want to reopen tonight, so he turned the tables on him. What baggage made you become a defense attorney? Pain looked flashed across her face, and Darcy opened her mouth, closed it, and that pain look got significant worse. It's okay. He probably should. This conversation's over. And he was probably as thankful for that as she was. They didn't need to be developing into baggage or what had brought them to this point. They didn't need to be discussing anything personal, especially didn't need to be thinking of her as an attractive, troubled woman. He should haul off to his bed. Besides, he had a mountain of stuff to do, stuff that didn't require getting Darcy naked in his bed, phone calls to make, an investigation to start. He also needed to see if Grayson had made any progress with Ramirez. If you need anything, my room is just across the hall. He'll let her know. The security system is on, and all the ranch hands are on watch to make sure no one suspicious enters the property. There, he doled out all the info she needed for the night, and he could go. Good thing, too, because he was exhausted. But he didn't move. His feet sank low to the floor. Her eyes widened as if she knew a fierce storm was already upon them. And it was. The storm inside him. Nate cursed, because he saw the alarm on Darcy's face, followed by the heat. Oh, man. One-sided lust was bad enough, but two-sided was a disaster in the making. His feet finally moved in the wrong direction. Nate went to her, catching her hands and pinned them against the wall. Hell, he pinned her too, pressing his body against hers as he lowered his head and kissed her. He captured her breath and the sound of her surprise all at once. Nate might as well have had sex with her because the slam of pleasure was that intense. The intensity... The instant awareness that he was about to lose it, and that taste, yeah, like something forbidden. Nate, she managed to say, the heat burned in her voice. He didn't attempt to say anything for fear that the sound of his voice would bring him back to his senses. Just this moment, he wanted to be pulled deep into the fire. He wanted to be, he wanted to feel, and he did. For those scolding hot moments, Nate felt it all. The desire for a woman, the need to take her ache that he'd suppressed for way too long, but he forced himself to remember that even with all those aches and brain needs, he shouldn't be kissing Darcy. Nate pushed himself away from her. Not easily. He had to force his body to move. Then he had to force it not to go right back after her again. Their gazes collided. In her eyes, he saw all that fire still raging, heard it in her thin breath, felt it pulsating in her wrist. He let go of her, and her hands dropped to her sides. Nate watched her recover, hoping that he could do the same. What was that? She asked breathlessly. A mistake. He was breathless, too. She stared at him, the pulse hammering in her throat. Since looking at her throat made him want to kiss her there, Nate took another step back, and another for good measure. Her gaze slid over his face, his chest, which was pumping as though starved for air. In a way, it was. Then her eyes lay over to the front of his jeans, where she no doubt 
no doubt, saw the proof of just how much that kiss had aroused him. We can blame it on the adrenaline, she whispered, for some reason. Stupid one, probably, that made him smile. For a split second, anyway, and then realized reality crashed down on his head. He should be kissing her, and he should be smiling. Good night, Darcy, Nate told her. Wait, there's something bothering you, something other than that. She clarified, her attention dropping to the front of his jeans again. Oh, man, the spring connection they had was almost as bad as the fire she started in his body. Darcy was right. Something was bothering him. He intended to keep it to himself because it could alarm her, but, heck, he'd already opened a big box of alarm just by kissing her. Did you think there was anything strange about Ramirez when the gunman took us into the ranch house, he asked. She stayed quiet for a moment. You mean stranger than the fact he had kidnapped our children? Yeah, he didn't ask us how we found them. You're right, Darcy pulled in her breath. We did to the gunmen in the woods. Nick made us out of agreement. They seemed ready for us, as if they'd been expecting us all along. But why would that be? The only reason we went to the Elsa Posco was because Marlene wrote the initials on the van door. She pressed her fingers to report. And from what we know, Marlene might not have even been in that particular van. It could have been just a decoy. So who wrote the initials? Nate finished for And why did Ramirez want us to find him? I don't know, she shook her head. Do you? No. But first thing in the morning, I tend to find out. End of chapter 7. Intense 2. I sense a romance a-brewing. Bye.